Uh, it's in the bedroom. It's in the bedroom. Oh, I'm gonna go get it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's on. Yeah, it's on. It's on. Come on, come look at this. Oh, my country. Look. It has also been confirmed that these occurrences are happening around the world as well. We are waiting on an official statement oh, right now from the federal emergency. Can you see it out here? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Is it time? Is it time? We've been in a series, and by the way, guys, happy Father's Day. Hope you have a great day. Some of you aren't here. Some of you are joining us online. Hope you have a great day online. Today, we're grateful for our men in our congregation, for our fathers in particular, we celebrate today. What a gift, isn't it, to have children? It's an awesome, awesome thing. Is it a challenge to have children? Isn't it an awesome, awesome thing, a responsibility? Thankfully, we have God on our side to help guide us. And one of the important things we want to teach our children is this, that there is an eternal life. There is something beyond this life, and we want them to join us there, don't we? That someday we will have a family gathering or regathering or reunion. And that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. We've talked about, is the second coming real? When is Jesus returning? Is there a real, literal hell? And this week we're going to talk about what happens five minutes after we die. And actually we're talking instantaneously in that moment. What happens five minutes after you die? And thankfully... We'll be looking at Luke 16 that this is the only recorded passage of this experience in the Bible. But before we do that, I just want to kind of take some time in the cemetery today and just realize that 78% of Americans believe in heaven and 78% of them actually believe that they're going to go there. But only 60% of Americans believe that there's a hell, and only 4% are going to go there, <laughs> according to the poll. But let's walk through the cemetery today. Here's a few to- tombstones. Here lies an atheist all dressed up and no place to go. That's not exactly true. Maybe you felt like this before, died from not forwarding that text message to 10 people. Yes. I could have died of that. I'm not a forwarder. Are you? This is another one. This this is for you, Balcony. He loved bacon. Oh, and his wife and kids too. Another one is this. Another one bites the dust. Can you imagine putting that on your tombstone? And some people have these names that just fit tombstones so well. Here lies John Yeast. Pardon me for not rising. Yes, and my, I think this is my most favorite. The next, the next one is my most favorite one. I told you I was sick. I told you that. Now, maybe you were married to that person. 
And you might, maybe I'm giving you an idea of maybe what you want to put on their tombstone someday. Not that it would come too soon, but that might be it. So what happens really five minutes after you die? Or instantaneously is really the, the real story. We want to look at a passage of scripture today. And it's going to be from Luke chapter 16 verse 19, and if you'll turn in your tablets, Bibles, and if you're online, whatever gadget or device or actually real, literal book, the Bible, we're going to be looking at Luke 16, 19. And the the verse says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Folks, something we need to realize that this rich man had a lot of stuff. He was very wealthy. But I don't want you to think of him as being that much different than you. Because if you live in a house that has a floor, you're ahead of 95% of the people in the world. If you actually are an American, you're about ahead of 95% of the people in the world. Even our poor people in the United States that are supported by our government are actually of the most wealthy 95% of the world. And if you make combined income of over $100,000 in the world, you're in the top 99% of the people in the world. And so we are blessed and we are favored by the grace of God. But we've got to realize in Scripture we more likely identify with the rich and the wealthy. And so we've got to be very careful in, in what we take in the perspective and the view that we take of Scripture as we read it. So I just want you to realize, realize that, that we are very blessed, we are very favored. And what the Scripture says is that having much requires a lot of responsibility. And so as we look at this passage today, I want you to think about that, please. Now let's go on in verses 20 and 21. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. I'm going to stop here. This is kind of depressive. This is kind of, how do I want to say, just really, really stark and in your face. Poor man, covered with sores, you wouldn't want to look at that, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. I don't know if you've been to a cafeteria or if you've been to a restaurant. Do you know how much food we throw away? It's amazing. How much food do we throw away in our own refrigerators that goes to waste? Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Here's the danger that we have, and I don't know if you ever click on the channels, if you still have channels and you don't scream, but back when we used to do that, if you'd see a World Vision commercial or show, wouldn't you click on buy? I do that with the pet. I know I'm not very sensitive, and we're going to talk about pets and being in heaven sometime. But anyway, but but the whole pet drama on television, and I'm not anti-pet, by the way, but 
But we kind of click on by because we have kind of a compassion fatigue. And if you'll notice, this rich man just went on by Lazarus in this story. And a lot of times, folks, we go on by people who have real needs. And it's a real juggling act, especially in a time where we pay people more to not work than to work. We do some things that just don't make sense. We, we give people money for having kids when, and, and, and we enable people to not have to provide for their children because we give so much. And so it really puts us in a difficult position to be able to deliver what people who are actually in need, figuring that who that is and helping them. It's a real, real challenge. Yesterday, we got to partner with our city and with our county and various different churches, and we gave away a lot of food to over 300 families, and all they had to do was prove that they lived in Clay County. But the danger is to think that somebody else is doing it and that we miss the Lazaruses that are in our lives. And do we see them? Or do we have compassion fatigue? Lazarus, the actual name means God has helped. God has helped. But the rich man certainly did not help Lazarus. Now let's look at verse 22 of this passage. It says, The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side, and the rich man also died and was buried. Now, this is a twist in the story. They both died approximately at the same time. Now, let me tell you something. All of us that are living, nearly all of us that are living, if Jesus doesn't return, we will all die. Nearly all of us. And the reason why I say not 100% of us, because we're still not sure about Elvis and Tupac. Agreed? 100% of us. And so this is something that we really have to be ready for. So what happens five minutes after you die? The first one is something I had never really thought about. But, but, but we will be wide awake and fully conscious. If you think about what we see in Scripture here, that there will be a break between this life and the next life, and we will be fully awake. Isn't that amazing? Why is that? Why do I say that? There's no purgatory. There's no time of sleep. But in a twinkling of the eye, we will pass from this life to the next, according to what Jesus tells us here. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? He said, Father, to you I commit my... And Paul says, if we are absent with the body, from the body, we will be present with the Lord. Absolutely. Our spirit will be with the Lord. In fact, when Jesus died, the body went to the tomb and his spirit was with God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But we will be fully conscious 
for all eternity. Second, we will be filled with either tremendous gratitude or enormous regret for what we have done in this body. Now, we are saved by grace through faith, but yet we will have our memories. Notice in verse 22, I'll read that again through 25. It says, The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, kind of the Old Testament hell concept, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. I want you to see that there were two rich men in the story. Two rich men. There was... There was the rich man that didn't have a name. And then there was Abraham, one of the richest men outside of Solomon in all the Old Testament. So if you will take note, it wasn't the wealth that separated Abraham from the rich man, but it was the rich man's self-centeredness, his narcissistic life centered on materialism at the exclusion of of anyone and anything else that determined where he spent eternity, but not Lazarus. Now this, as Jesus was teaching this, blew the Pharisees and the scribes' minds because this is not how this was all to play out. It wasn't because of wealth, although Jesus said that it was difficult for a wealthy person to enter into the kingdom of God. It was like a camel going through the eye of a needle. Remember? And then we go on this passage in verse 26, and it says, And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. In that moment, all of eternity has been decided. For your life. We will all spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. There will be no neutral area. There will be either enormous regret or tremendous gratitude. Can you imagine Lazarus enjoying being by the greatest man of the Old Testament, Abraham, which three of the greatest world religions trace from, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, all come from Abraham. And there was this poor man had suffered in his life that was standing beside Abraham, the father of their faith, in paradise, in heaven, unimaginable. Next week, I'm going to be preaching the last sermon in this series, and, and the title is, Is Heaven Real? We're going to talk about heaven, and I think that it will change a lot of your minds and your perspectives of what heaven is, and it's all in Scripture. I'm not making any of it up. 
It's unbelievable. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he says this, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. This is beyond our wildest imaginations. Words cannot describe it. This existence may be as good as it gets for some people, but for us, it will be like hell in comparison to heaven. Now, there, this, this last series has caused some people to ask me some questions, and they've been fascinated. And I've enjoyed talking to them and, and, and answering their questions. But one of the questions that, that a lot of times arises when I, when I talk about this or when I preach about this is, will we have bodies in heaven? Will we have bodies in heaven? And the answer is, yes, we will have bodies. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Jesus, or I mean, Paul says that the dead in Christ will rise. At what time when the trumpet sound of the Lord will occur? The bodies will come from the graves. And then we who are alive will join him in the air. You will not miss it. No one will have to say, hey, hey, Jesus has already returned. It's going to happen just like that. And, and a lot of times people will say, well, what if you're cremated? What if you die at sea and your body is buried in the sea? What if, what if your body is decayed? It's gone to dust. We've got to understand that a God can, that can create Adam from the dust can take your body and, and restore it. And it'll be better than it's ever been. It's a, a PTX 90 CrossFit blah, 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 blah body. Better than ever. You'll be able to walk through walls. You'll be able to appear and to disappear. It's going to be amazing. Unlike anything we've ever experienced. And there are going to be all kinds of stuff that we can do in heaven. It's going to be totally, totally awesome. Folks, that should drive us to tell others about how good God is and how he's prepared a place for us that we can spend all eternity enjoying our lives together. Second question is this. Will we recognize each other in heaven? And I want you to look in this passage. The rich man recognized Abraham and Lazarus. When Jesus was transfigured. They, the, the disciples, the, the three, recognized Elijah and, and Moses. Mary in the garden recognized Jesus. When we get to heaven, I'm going to recognize you. We're going to recognize Jesus. We're going to recognize Moses. We're going to recognize Daniel. We're going to be able to ask them questions. We're going to find out the dirt and the scoop of what really happened on some of those things that we don't know. And guess what? I'm going to be there. To the dismay of some people who have told me I'm not. They think that I'm going to spend eternity in another place. Guess what? By the grace of God, even I will be there. Amen? Amen. And if you don't recognize me, I'll make sure and identify myself. 
So what we see in this passage of Scripture is that we're going to be totally conscious. We're going to be wide awake. We're going to be filled with tremendous gratitude and enormous regret. Or, or enormous regret, depending on where we end. How we have received, or whether or not we've received Christ. And finally, the last thing, we're going to reflect on your life on earth with crystal clarity. We're going to reflect on our lives of what we have and have not done. The rich man said this in verse 27 in this passage. He said, and he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. He's still trying to send Lazarus. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Isn't that kind of scary? That here this rich man, who was totally self-centered, narcissistic for his whole life, all of a sudden says, I don't want anyone to experience this. He all of a sudden becomes other-centered and driven. Five minutes in hell turned this non-believer into an evangelist for the gospel of Jesus Christ. An evangelist to understand that there was something beyond this life. And accumulating all the stuff really, really wasn't important. It's what you did with the stuff that was important. That, that he said to himself, somebody has to tell those people, tell my brothers, tell others that hell is real. And I don't want anybody to experience it. Because, why? Because people are the only thing that lasts forever. You know, in all of our striving, in all of our working, in all of our accumulating, the only thing that's going to be eternal is you and I, each other, every one of you and myself. That is what is going to last. Now, I'm, I'm praying that as you're watching either online or present here with us today, that I hope that the Spirit of God is cutting into your heart like it did on the day of Pentecost. That you're hearing this, that you're experiencing this, that you're understanding something that you never understood about your, the spiritual reality and eternity. When they were cut to the heart on the day of Pentecost, and they said, Peter, brothers, what should we do? Peter basically said this in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We emphasize baptism here because it's typically, in about every scripture that you read about salvation, the first thing and the most important thing that you do. And there are going to be people that I think God's going to say, hey, you know, you followed me, you loved me, you gave, you were generous, you served others. But why didn't you do the first thing? Why why didn't you just do that? Well, I didn't feel like I needed to. I, I didn't feel like it was important. Folks, why wouldn't you just do it? Out of love and devotion to an eternal God that has given us so much grace and so much favor. Why wouldn't we obey if we really believed? 
Then later on in that same passage in Acts chapter 2, how did they respond? So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. They just did it. They didn't have all the theology. They didn't have all the books. They didn't have all the words. They just obeyed the command. That simple. Why wouldn't we do that? Folks, today, if the Holy Spirit is moving you, today's day, now's the time to get right with God. Because we don't know when He's going to come. But we need to live ready. Amen? Will you please stand as I pray?